and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Tonight, I'm going to um, uh, be digging into who do we pray for. We're on part 12 of our prayer series. And I'm um, going to probably clear up a couple of misconceptions, but then also dig into some wonderful truths that are going to help us in our pre-service prayer meeting for anybody who wants to join us at 5. Uh, before the service, we pray then. And we also pray online between all the campuses um, on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. for half an hour. You can contact us, just ask us, and we'll send you the information. So if you want to join us online for half an hour on Tuesday, let us know. Or if you want to join us here an hour before the service starts on a Sunday evening, you're always welcome. But tonight we're going to look at what do we pray for, how do we pray, or what do we pray for, and how do we pray for those that we pray for, because uh, that's important. So we look at the Word, one of the things that we've seen is that we've got to get our... Our doctrine from the whole Bible, but our instructions really on prayer really should come from the letters from Paul and John and Peter. We've got to dig into the, the, the letters which would explain to us how the new creation operates and how we should be uh, praying. And uh, that could, should automatically, if you take that and you go and study it out, <laughs> that would clarify a lot of misconceptions about prayer. Um, and it would adjust a lot of the way we pray. But the first category of people that I want to focus on tonight in <clears throat> who do we pray for would be for unbelievers. Um, so if you're here and you're an unbeliever, then you know how we're praying for you. Isn't that right, Jamie? She's not an unbeliever. I'm just saying that's right. <laughs> so this is for people who have not yet received the gospel. An unbeliever may have heard the gospel, but they may not have received the gospel. Okay? So... Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of, the, of them, the unbelievers, which believe not, <clears throat> lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, I think I'm taking a little bit of a, 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 a different slant on how we usually present this. But from this text, we can see the problem for the unbeliever is they've been blinded. Okay? That's why you can speak spiritual things to someone who's not saved and they don't understand. The Bible says spiritual things can only be discerned by those who are spiritual. So that's why sometimes you would talk about the things of the kingdom, the things of God, and an unbeliever would think that you're high or something else. That, but they, they won't, they'll think you're nuts because they don't understand. The Bible says spiritual things can only be discerned by those who are spiritual. So that, that would probably adjust a lot of your conversations this week, right? Because a lot of us try and speak spiritual to unspiritual people, and it's foolishness. We need to the, the only way to have a conversation with them in a spiritual way is to share the gospel. So the answer for this verse 
is really, you know, praying for, in accordance with what the unsaved person needs, which is the light of the gospel. They need the light of the gospel. Okay? They're under a demonic blindness, and uh, the way to deal with that is preach the gospel. Previously, we would focus maybe just on the fact that you can rebuke the spiritual blindness and there might be a part to play. But the best way to deal with that is actually just preach the gospel. Because the gospel is light, and if they're in darkness and you shine the light, then boom. Okay? You don't always have to pray over the person you're about to preach to or minister to. Otherwise, that would double our work. <laughs> and then you meet someone on the street and, or on an airplane and you're like, just hang on a minute, I've got to pray for you before... I minister to you. So in the name of Jesus, I rebuke your, your blindness. And, you know, and okay, now let's talk. You, know, it does, you don't have to do that. You just preach the gospel, right? We share the truth with them. Because what they need is light. And the light is the gospel. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 10 from verse 14. This kind of uh, gives us a deeper uh, understanding. It says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. If you ever wanted to see some pretty feet, come and speak to Etienne and I. <laughs> no, no, no. This is for all of us. If you preach, if you share the gospel, then you've got beautiful feet too. Okay, verse 16. <laughs> but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, I'll just highlight one thing quickly. Verse 17, we often take out of context and use inappropriately. It doesn't mean, as you read the Bible, faith comes. It doesn't say Bible there at all. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God, if you go and look it up in the context, is simply talking about the gospel and exclusively the gospel. You can't read through the book of Job and have faith come up in your heart. You can't read through many of the books of the Bible and have faith come up in your heart. You have to find the gospel which is contained in the Bible. And then as you read, as you, you, you hear the gospel, as you, 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 you read the gospel, faith will come up in you and receive the gospel. Okay? But from this uh, text, we see that there's specific questions asked which show us the way that the gospel reaches the unbeliever. Okay, and we're going to look at these questions in a moment, uh, uh, and, I, and I think I've got them on the screen there, but number one, let's see if they're there, yay. Okay, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? They can't. <laughs> okay, what about the tribe in the middle of the Amazon which, can't be, which has never heard the gospel? Refer to question one from Romans chapter 10. What about someone in the middle of uh, China who has no church near them and has never met an unbeliever, uh, never met a believer? Refer to question one from uh, Romans chapter 10. That's your answer. And so what the answer to that question that we ask, what about, does, is it puts responsibility on us. And it doesn't mean you, you specifically need to go to the middle of China and find that person, although if you feel to, 
let me know and we'll support you in that. The point is, is that, that we, can, we can be part of that through praying and through going and giving. Okay? So there's different ways to be part of it. But this is showing us that they can't call on Jesus if they haven't believed in Jesus. Then question two, how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? They can't believe in Jesus if they haven't heard about Jesus. Number three, how shall they hear without a preacher? They cannot hear about Jesus unless someone preaches to them about Jesus. Number four, how shall they preach except they be sent? How can we go to the ends of the globe unless people send us? And that's talking about money. Okay? We can't. So you can see how this shows us in detail for us as believers how we can all be part of God's global uh, worldwide rescue plan. Amen? Amen. If that's a step-by-step guide on how to get the gospel to reach unbelievers. And this is the thing. Many of us, are, are, uh, if we haven't gone through a season like this in our lives, you might be going through a season like this now where you're seeking significance. You're seeking purpose and meaning in what you do. I've chatted to many people, and I can't think of a specific example right now, but, the, but I, the, the, this kind of conversation comes up often. I just don't enjoy the work I'm doing because I don't see any significance. Okay, you can do that and not find significance in your work because you, you can find significance in who you are. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says you're an ambassador of Christ. And so you can find significance in who you are. You're an ambassador of Christ. What does that mean? You represent Him, which means you're part of this. So you can find meaning in going to the people that don't know Christ in your sphere of influence and sharing the gospel with them or praying for them like we're going to see in a moment or helping ministers go to places like uh, to reach the unreached. We have three groups of unbelievers. We have um, unsaved, which is everybody that's an unbeliever. Amen? They're not saved. Then we have people who are unchurched. Okay? They are usually not Christians. They might be Christians, might not be Christians. So they're not technically unsaved, but they're not in church. So they're missing out on a lot. And then we have the unreached. Unreached are people who are, um, they don't know a Christian, never met a Christian, don't know where there's a church, and they've probably never seen a Bible. And a third of the world is in that condition. So that's a big task for us to do. And these questions help us answer who's going to reach them. (laughs) And it's us. So that's why, like with um, um, those that are unsaved in Solari's past, we have the opportunity to pray. We have an opportunity to give money towards helping to reach those um, uh, kids there. You know, one of the ways that would really help us to reach ki- the kids there is if we had more money just to be able to... I mean, money attracts people, right? <laughs> so imagine, like, you, you, we, we advertise there. This is just a thought that they probably... The team that's organizing it didn't even have. But if we had a prize for, like... Um, you know, if you attend the whole holiday club and uh, by the end of it we're going to have a lucky draw and we're going to give away an iPad we'd have a problem because there'd be too too little space and too many kids, right? We'd have a problem. Imagine. And all all that does is costs money. You know, because we've given lots of money over the last seven years to people going on missions and people um, living in Albania, we've been able to plant a church in Albania where 
you know, we, I sat and talked to, spoke to one of the pastors of another church in the area there in Duras, where we have a church, and um, he, he basically, on a map, showed me, um, like, kind of like where there isn't a church. <laughs> in a sense of, if you divide the, the, the city up into, I think he said five sections. There's a church here, a church there, a church, and that's a whole city. If you divide it up like a cake, these are two or three of the areas we would like you to consider focusing on. Because it doesn't make sense to have two churches in the same area, and there's unreached areas where we need to get into. So that just shows the desperate need in places like that, where Christ is unknown. So in this, we can also find what to pray for. If you look at these questions, what, what comes up for you? Think about it for a moment. If you look at those questions, what do we pray for? Okay, think about it, don't answer. And then let's look at verse 15 then. Because for someone to hear the gospel, they need a preacher. So how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet that them that pre of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I like that last part there. Because so often, we don't think of the preacher, which is just the, the believer who's, con who's got the message and is bringing the message to the unbeliever. So you could be the preacher. But we don't think of the preacher as having good news. We think of the preacher as just having a message. and We don't often think of it just as good news, right? But this is something where we're going to people and they don't think it's good news until they hear it. And there's a, there's a, there's a quote. Hopefully I get it right now. Um, good news is only good news if it gets there in time. Good news is only good news if it gets there in time. So that just puts a, an amplification on the task at hand and the, the, the weight of responsibility that we have. But a preacher has to be sent. One of the most important things uh, 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 in, through all those questions that we've just looked at is a preacher. And it's not just someone standing at a pulpit like myself or like Etienne when we're ministering. A preacher, again, is somebody, it's a believer, who's carrying the message and sharing the message. Every single one of us has the opportunity to be a preacher. Look at verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. But Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So this is saying who has obeyed the gospel. What does it mean to obey the gospel? What does it mean to obey the gospel? Go to church. What? I can't believe you said that. Amber? <laughs> you said that. Sumi, obey the Ten Commandments. That's what you said. That's shocking. Huh? Sean, live holy. Wow. We've got a lot of work to do here. Obeying the gospel is believing the gospel. Look at the next line there. It says, who has believed our report? Okay, so the message which is preached by the preacher has to be believed. And faith is the response to the gospel. So faith is obedience. Okay? Because it's a, it's a yielding of our hearts and honoring the message. Look at verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cannot come by a dream. So we've got a, 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 someone that I met in um, Kosovo, uh, a, a former Muslim imam, a priest. He, um, amazing man, he was uh, doing the call to prayer in Cairo, 
every day, every day, however often he had to do it. And um, he, uh, he was trained as a jihadist and he was waiting for a call up to go and kill Christians. And um, that's his testimony. And he had never seen a Christian, never seen a church, never seen a Bible, didn't know anything about Christianity except we need to kill Christians. And he was trained to do it. Okay, that, his whole life was given to that. And he had a dream or a vision, I can't remember which one it is. And in the dream or the vision, Jesus appeared to him. He didn't know it was Jesus, it was a man in white. And a, a, a man in white said to him, "Come." I think it was, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he had never heard that before. Did that save him? No. <laughs> so you know what he did? He Googled. And Google told him where to find the, what, what that quotation of what he heard. And he started reading, reading the Bible and he read through the Gospels and he found a page which explained the Gospel and he got saved because someone preached through prints through the, the, the internet. And so he received Christ and it changed his whole life. And then he was crying as he was doing the call to prayer because he knew that Jesus was in his heart. And he knew that if he was to come out of the, the, the Imam prayer closet, he would what? All of a sudden, he would be killed. And you know, eventually him and his wife said, enough is enough, we're going to leave Cairo. And so they left Cairo. And just before he left Cairo, he posted on Facebook and he said, I've become a Christian. And he switched his phone off and he landed in another country, in, in Europe. And as he landed there and he switched his phone on, he had 300 and something death threats from family and people in the community in Cairo. The secret police were then after him. It's a peace-loving religion. The, the, the secret police were after him. His uh, parents said, if you ever come back, we'll kill you ourselves. And uh, that was the end of his life in uh, whatever uh, family he had. And, but he's got a new family. But I say that all to say that he didn't get saved from that dream or vision. People have dreams and visions, and then they start to seek the truth. They've got to read the gospel, hear the gospel from a preacher. That's how God designed it to work. And then they can receive the truth. Okay? So the unbeliever needs to hear and believe the gospel before they get saved. The writer, any of the verses we've looked at, you never, ever, ever see encouragement to pray for someone's salvation. You never see to pray for someone's salvation. Okay? The only thing that's said is to preach to the unsaved. Now we'll look at how do we pray for them. Because there is a, there is a place for us to pray for them. And next week, we're going to talk about this practically and share an exciting uh, um, I don't know what to call it, project that we're doing as a, a ministry with all the campuses that we have um, over the next two months. And we're going to uh, share it with you. And we're going to give you a nice bookmark. And, and together we're going to start uh, seeing how can we reach, Jamie's designing the bookmark or designed it. We're going to see how we can reach more people for, for Jesus. Amen? It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> but people need a preacher. They need to hear the gospel. Okay, here's an example of how the gospel was preached to Cornelius. And this is a great example. So read along with me up there. It says in uh, Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> there's a couple of uh, verses here. <coughs> there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. 
not a music band, okay? It's talking about a group of, of people. Although we like music, it's not talking about that. Verse 2, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms, talking about money, uh, to, the, to the people and prayed to God always. He saw a vision, in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. <laughs> and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms, thy gifts of finance, are coming up for a memorial before, for, before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one, Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with uh, one Simon, a tanner, whose uh, house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. And when the angel spake unto Cornelius uh, that was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. <clears throat> and when he had declared all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto, um, unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am, uh, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come off, uh, ye are, sorry, ye are come? Verse 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God. Take note of verse 22. A just man one that fears God and of good report among the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee from him. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain uh, brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, the, and Cornelius waited for them, and he called together his kinsmen and his friends. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because of the Gentile, on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we've explained that in uh, uh, previous weeks. But here we see Cornelius prayed. He was a devout man. Okay? He gave alms, which is money. And that didn't get him saved. So he was a devout man, he was a God-fearing man, he gave money, he prayed, and yet, that was good, wasn't it? And yet, he, he did not get saved. Okay? We need to see that Peter had to be called for. God gave him a vision and said, call for Peter. And Peter had to come and open his mouth <laughs> and, speak, and preach. And then they could receive the gospel they could get saved so that makes sense then in terms of romans chapter 10 verse 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the gospel by the word of god faith is found in a man as a result of believing the word of god someone believes the word and they can have faith cornelius had no faith he had devotion 
He had reverence for God, but he wasn't saved. If he had faith, he would have been saved. But faith couldn't come because there was something missing. What was it? The Word. Why was the Word missing? Because there wasn't a preacher. Okay? So what should we pray for an unbeliever then? You know, what the believer asks in prayer for, for the unbeliever is not for them to be saved. So we don't need to pray, oh God, please save so and so. Okay? We need to pray for a preacher to be sent to them. That's what they need. They don't need us to say, God, please save them. Because God's done everything that he can do to save them. Jesus was enough. <laughs> the, the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection was more than enough to get your loved one saved. Much more. More than enough. All they need now is hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and then they're born again. That's what's missing. Okay? Now, if you're preaching to someone and they're not receptive, you can pray other things. There's other things that you can maybe pray for them. Okay? But it's probably less praying for them and more you maybe needing to scratch up on the way you present to them. Or praying that someone else would be sent to them. Because often, you know, it's maybe just our inadequacy in presenting the gospel. We're not preaching the gospel properly. Maybe we're sharing the gospel in a way where it's confusing and it doesn't make sense. Maybe we're, we're sharing something that we shouldn't be sharing. I don't know. But the point is, is when we know the gospel, it makes it easier to share the gospel. We've just finished School of the Believer online between all the campuses, and that was a great way to learn how to share the gospel, how to interact with unbelievers. Things like that are essential for us as believers to be able to be effective. Look at Matthew chapter 9. 37, 38. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous. The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth laborers into that harvest. So this is showing that we need to, that the believer prays to God, to Jesus, for, 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 for him to send out laborers into the harvest. Okay? You know what the word send out is? Well, let me ask this question first. How many of us are believers? Looking around, I know we're believers. So if we're believers, okay, if we're believers, then we, if, if I'm praying, like, just like you could. So let's say I'm praying for, unbe for the unbelievers. And I'm saying, Father, send laborers across this person's path that I'm, I love and I'm reaching out to. Do you know that you are the answer to my prayer? <laughs> People don't realize that. We think an angel is the answer or I don't know what. You are the answer. Christian television could be the answer in the sense of, you know, good, good Christian television where maybe they're flipping the channels and all of a sudden the gospel, they hear it. Okay? Maybe they're just surfing the internet and, and a YouTube video pops up or something. That, that's, that's, that's using, God can use that stuff. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But it's his joy and privilege to use you. And he wants to use you. And if you would be used, allow yourself to be used, uh, 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 he would love to use you. And there's no greater thrill, really. But the word send out, that he will send out laborers, or send forth, that word there means to drive out, <laughs> to force out, to compel someone to depart. 
So sometimes we have this thing rising up inside of us, like we just feel compelled to speak to someone. We, we don't always follow through on it, amen? But we, we feel like, hey, I should speak to this person. I should contact this person. I should share the gospel with this person. And it's the Holy Spirit in us stirring up within us this desire and trying to help us to reach out to the unbeliever and share the gospel with the unbeliever as a response to someone's prayer. And so often we don't do it, and then you know what God does? He moves on to the next person. And he, he'll try as many believers as he can. And I've heard so many testimonies of how that's, that's actually happened in, in, in life. I felt like I should contact that person, and I didn't. Or I felt like I should speak to that waitress or whatever, that, that server at a restaurant, and I didn't. And then someone else says, oh, but I went there, and I spoke to them, or whatever. But it's, it's kind of like we're a team. And unfortunately, we have to pick, off where the others, pick up where the others slack off. So when you slack off, you make more work for all of us. Okay? Stop it. Um, so, we're praying here for preachers. Believers who, who carry the message that they will be forced out. <laughs> that they will be forced out so that the gospel can reach the unbeliever. Amen? That's what we're praying for. Okay? Who is the harvest? It's anybody who's un an unbeliever. Anybody who's not yet saved. Okay? They need to hear the gospel. And so, you know, if I am close to an unbeliever, I should be praying for me to reach them. I'm not praying for you to reach them. If you, know, you live somewhere that they don't live and I live where they live, I should try and reach them. But sometimes you've burnt a bridge if it's a loved one and someone close to you, you can't share the gospel, so then relax. Be the gospel in action and in love and all of that. Look for an opportunity, create an opportunity, but pray for someone else to go. Because sometimes that's the only option that we have. If we can't reach the person directly, then we pray for someone else to go. We, pray, we, we, we trust that the Lord will do that. Look at Thess uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Did I underline that there? Look at the underlined part there. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So this underlined part is basically implying that the, the, the gospel would be unhindered. The gospel would be unhindered. Here's a thought. I, I didn't think of this until now. Let's hope it's uh, good. <laughs> Think about this with me for a moment. What would it take for the gospel to be unhindered in your life right now? Because there's some things in our lives that hinder the gospel from having free course. From just going where it wants to go. And yet, if we have someone... Praying that the gospel, let's say we've got Joe over here and Joe is a, an unbeliever. And we all work with Joe. Okay? Well, let me just say it like this. You work with Joe. Okay? So it's all of us, but it's just you. So you work with Joe. And now I don't see Joe. I live on the other side of the, the country or the world. And so now I'm praying for Joe and I'm praying, Lord, send laborers across his path. May the gospel have an unhindered course, free course, uh, uh, you know, to, to get to Him. What in your life would I be praying against right now? I can't answer that. 
But I'm sure it, it kind of groups as uh, self-centeredness. Because <laughs> there's, there's often just a lot of self-centeredness that is causing the gospel not to have free course in our lives and reach the people who uh, need to be reached. So I pray for the unbeliever that the preacher would go to them. That there would be an opportunity for me or I would be creative in, in going to reach that, indiv that individual that I know. But if I don't have direct contact with them, I'm praying that a preacher would go to them, would be sent to them. So what do I need to pray for the preacher? Look at this, Colossians chapter 4 verse 3. Withal, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. So we're praying for a door of utterance, which is opportunity. We're praying for boldness and we're praying for utterance or opportunity and opportunity for the preacher when they contact that person. Have you ever spoken to someone and you haven't been bold? Have you ever spoken to someone uh, uh, um, and um, you just didn't have the words to say? You don't have utterance. Of course. How nice to have someone praying for you for those things. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So we need to be praying for them that they would have a boldness to speak the word of God. Okay? You know, in, in, in my life, I changed radically the way I was praying for my father's salvation. I also used to pray all the time. God, please save him. God, please save him. And then I realized... God's done his part. <laughs> There's something I've got to do now. And so I changed the way I prayed. And I was living in Cape Town. He was living in Durban. And I, so, you know, obviously now I'm praying for other people to go. Uh, God, please send people across his path. I'm not there. You know. And I, I was, that was my main prayer. God, please send people to go and minister the gospel to him. And one morning I woke up and God said, you go. <laughs> so I got on a plane and I went. I only had enough money for a one-way ticket, but I went. And I didn't ask for uh, leave, but I went. And I dealt with all the other stuff uh, as it came. And when I got there, then I needed boldness. You know, and I was asking people and messaging, uh, messaging them and saying, please pray for me, for, you know, because I don't know what to say. And I, I know that there were people praying for me because I never thought of what... I, I had thought of before. Does it make sense? The way I started the conversation, I'd never thought of that before. I sat there and I was like, I have to do this today. I don't know what I'm going to say. God, you have to give me an opening line because I don't know what to say. How do you start this conversation? It's your dad as well. How do you start this conversation? What did I say? I said, when we were younger, you stopped going to church. I've always wondered why. And that just opened up a big, beautiful conversation. And as we got conversing, it gave me more and more boldness. And I knew people were praying with me. And it, it wasn't like a natural boldness. It was a supernatural boldness because I didn't feel bold in that moment. I felt shy. Okay? And so this is something that we need to pray for, uh, for the preacher. We pray for boldness. We pray for opportunity. We pray for utterance. Okay? It's really important. Then, we, 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 another category of people that we pray for is believers. 
So we're praying for unbelievers, we're praying for preachers and reaching unbelievers. Now we can pray for each other, for brothers and sisters in Christ. What should we pray, be praying for brothers and sisters in Christ? Let me tell you what we shouldn't be praying first, because that's fun. We're not praying, pleading the blood of Christ over anyone. We're not praying, protection over anyone. Okay? There's a place to pray for protection. But we mustn't let our emotions dictate the way we pray. Okay, and I can get into all of that and explain that another time. If someone brings it up with me afterwards, I'll bring it up another time. But <laughs> we mustn't let emotions dictate the way we pray. Rather, we need to let the Word dictate the way we pray. And like I said, if we look in the New Testament and we see New Testament prayers, many of us have to do some... Um, Weeding in our prayer lives. Because we're not praying like Paul prayed. We're not praying like the early church prayed. We're praying like unbelievers. What do I mean? God, please come. <laughs> no one's prayed. I haven't heard anyone pray that yet. In our pre-service prayer meetings, nobody's prayed that. Thank God. God, please come. Be with us. Oh God, go with us. Oh God, be with so-and-so as they face this interview or whatever. It's like, that's stupid. Where do you find that in the Bible? We've got to think about what we pray about. There's, there's better prayers to pray. So look in the Word and learn on how to pray. Okay? Because the Bible shows us how to pray. And let me say, if you understand what we've taught on how to divide the Word, how to look at the Bible... You won't be going to look for how to pray in Genesis to Malachi or in the, the Gospels. You, you'll be looking at the, the, the epistles, which are the doctrine of the church. That's a loaded statement, which we're not going to get into. But Scripture teaches us how to pray for all believers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit. We've spoken about that. That means praying in tongues. And watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, we need to learn to be content with praying over someone in tongues and not knowing what we're praying. <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I shared this last week, but maybe I did. But um, before we go to bed at night, we, we have got this, uh, we pray for people. I did share it. We pray for, for we, we, the boys and I pray together, Martin and I pray, we pray together, and um, <clears throat> it's a case of, um, in our, the, the usual little repertoire that they got, we pray and we're like, okay Lord, uh, uh, we're going to pray in tongues, put someone on our heart. And so then we're praying in the Spirit together, and um, William or Elliot will be like, I don't know why, but I feel to pray for whoever, fill in the blank. And sometimes I know they're kind of just uh, maybe touching someone that we saw this afternoon, and I go... Let's pray again. And let's, let's trust God for someone that we, have, we haven't seen today. You know, it's not wrong to pray for that one. We'll pray for them. But let's, 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 let's kind of see what God's putting on our heart. And teaching them to kind of be sensitive to the Spirit. And then sometimes I'll be like, what do you feel to pray for this individual? Yeah. yeah their default is give so-and-so whatever they need. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work with that. But it's more a sense of like, even sometimes it's like, okay, let's just pray in the Spirit over that person. Just think about them and let's just let 
the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do in their life. And that's, that's enough. We don't have to know what's going on in their life to pray for them. Yet, we, we like to know what's going on in other people's lives. You know, it's true, isn't it? Like, we want to know what's going on in someone's life. And then we call it prayer. They tell me, how can I pray for you? <laughs> Praying tongues. <laughs> Ask God. If He tells you about it, then great. <laughs> it's not wrong to share prayer requests and stuff, but sometimes it's kind of like a, 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 um, a wrapping for gossip. Gift wrap. The most important thing that a believer needs is Think about it. Knowledge. I'll explain that now. It's knowledge. We need insight. We need wisdom. So we need to be praying. If we look at the New Testament prayers, they're always focusing in on knowledge. That's what they're focusing on. That's what we should be seeking primarily and praying for each other primarily. Because what we don't know will kill us. So, you know, knowledge has got to do with spiritual growth. So we're actually praying for each other's spiritual growth. Because if you grow spiritually, then I'm probably not going to need to pray for any insecurities that you might have. Because you're growing spiritually. You're dealing with those. You're working with those. I'm not going to have to pray about your fear that you might have. Because you're growing up. So the best thing that we can pray for each other is... Knowledge, spiritual growth. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So it's knowledge. It's teaching, which causes us to grow. 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So growth happens in knowledge. You can't grow spiritually without knowledge. You need good teaching in your life. You need the Word. You need to grow in the Word. Otherwise, you're not going to mature. And then you will need people to pray prayers for you. And you'll need to pray prayers for you that you shouldn't be praying. Okay? We need to grow in the knowledge of our salvation and of Jesus and of our identity. So we need to pray for the knowledge for the, the believer. Because that determines well-being. The epistles, the letters of the New Testament, if we go through them, they focus in on knowledge, especially when it's prayer. 1 Peter 2, no, sorry, Timothy 2, 4. God wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants us to come to a knowledge, not just be saved and babies. He wants us to grow up and understanding the Word, and all of that, okay? This is what Paul often wrote about in his letters to the churches, okay? He wanted people to grow in their understanding, in their, their knowledge of the truth. And so, if we look at Paul's prayers, the Holy Spirit's showing us what to pray. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Here's one of those prayers. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Yeah, this is really praying for spiritual growth. 
Okay, there aren't two spirits. We've spoken about this. There's one spirit that brings wisdom, one spirit that brings revelation, the same spirit. Um, and uh, the purpose of that is to grow in our intimacy, in the knowledge of Him. That word knowledge isn't talking about an intellect. Knowledge is not just intellect. Knowledge is intimacy. Knowledge is um, Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. Adam knew Eve and they conceived and bore a son. So this is talking about an intimacy that you would know God so deeply and intimately that it would produce fruitfulness. Imagine the fruitfulness that it would produce if you were intimate with your Father, with God. What would it produce? Love, joy, peace, the things that you pray for. <laughs> we pray for those things. God, I want more joy in my life. God, I want more peace in my life. And yet, if we were just growing in our knowledge, intimate relationship with God, what would happen? Peace. <laughs> but we'd rather be content with, God, please give me peace. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's like a husband and wife never having relations and yet wanting to have a child. Doesn't work. Okay? Philippians 1.9. If you need the, someone to explain that, Etienne is happy to explain after the service. <laughs> Philippians 1 verse 9. Please, someone ask him after the service. And this I pray, that you would have lots of money and be prosperous beyond, beyond your wildest imagination. I mean, that would be a nice prayer that Paul would pray for us, but you never see that anywhere in the Bible. And yet the way some churches go on and some uh, big shots and Christians go on, you think that that's the most important thing in our lives. And yet Paul never focused on that stuff. Look what he focuses on. <clears throat> I pray that your love may abound. Now let's just pause there for a moment. What do you think it looks like if your love abounds? <laughs> think about it. What would it look like if your love abounded? That would be pretty special. The people around you would be impacted by your love abounding, overflowing, be increasing. Yeah, think about it in terms of, I mean, we came from a funeral this afternoon. So think about it in terms of a funeral. Do you want people at your funeral? <laughs> then your love needs to abound. You've got to impact people. You've got to be a blessing. Otherwise, who's going to want to come? What do you want people to say at your funeral? Make sure your love abounds. Otherwise, there's nothing to talk about. They have to be creative. There's nothing worse than being creative at a funeral. I haven't had to do it yet, but we thank God. Anyway, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge, knowledge and in all judgments, that ye may approve that, uh, things that are excellent, <clears throat> that ye may be sincere. And without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with all the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So the word judgment there, that you may yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That means discernment. There is no gift of discernment. Okay? NIV and maybe some other versions of the Bible will list the gift of discernment as a spiritual gift. But if you look at the King James, the one that Paul and Jesus used, <laughs> it's a joke. 
But if you look at the King James, which is closer to the original, you'll find that it's the gift of the discerning of spirits. Okay? They are two different things. Discernment happens according to how much knowledge I have. That's why knowledge is important. The more knowledge I have, the more I'm able to discern, I should pick this babysitter and not that babysitter. The more knowledge you have based on the individual. Right? I'm not going to pray about it. I will, but I'm not just going to pray about it and be like, the Lord told me that you are the one. Because I might be wrong. <laughs> I miss it sometimes. So I'm rather going to be like, Lord, show me who I should pick and let me look at their CVs. <laughs> let me interview them. Let me ask them a few questions. Because we, that's where discernment comes from. That's how we pick which job we want. That's how we pick where we're going to live. We go and we look at it. I've, we've moved into a house without knowing what it looked like. <laughs> but that's a different story. Okay? We really felt the Lord lead us. To, and we, The first time we were in the house was when we moved in. And it was awesome. But the point is, is that judgment implies discernment. And discernment is based on knowledge. So Paul here in this passage is praying for discernment of spiritual realities. He's praying that we would know what we've got in Christ. That's a good prayer for someone. Father, I pray that uh, 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 Sumi would grow in her understanding of what she's got. So she should stop asking me for it. <laughs> I'm joking. But you get what I mean. Like we need to pray those kind of prayers for, for each other without the latter part. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with, all, with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. And all spiritual understanding. The knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might, for the purpose of walking worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to the glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. See, Paul's praying for spiritual growth, which is according to knowledge of what Christ has done. How do you know what Christ has done for you? You study the Word. Or you hear a preacher who studied the Word teach it to you. Both. So that means we're praying for the preacher again. We're praying for people to, to get into the Word. To discover these truths. Look at Colossians 4 verse 12. We've looked at this verse. Okay, it's our friend. Epaparas. Who is one of you. A servant of Christ. He salutes you, always laboring, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. See, look at his commitment there. To making prayers for the believers in the church at Colossae. What is he praying for? Growth in the knowledge of Christ. That's what we need to be focused on with each other. Philemon. Philemon. Verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The word acknowledging implies precise knowledge. You can't acknowledge what you don't know. Okay? And you can't acknowledge what doesn't really exist. Okay? So, Paul is emphasizing that as believers, we're going to have a, a walk according to our knowledge. We're going to live according to our knowledge. 
Because knowledge determines our faith. You can't have a supernatural faith without knowing anything. We kind of think of the gift of faith as something that's dumped on us and we don't know anything but we can move mountains. You can't pray, you can't see faith accomplishing great things unless you know a few things. You've got to know Christ and what He's done for you. What that means for you. Okay? So it's important for us to grow in our knowledge. Amen? Amen. Then, we, we need to, a couple of just uh, 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 pointers and thoughts. We need to pray for ministers of the gospel. So if you can put up that slide, please. Just looking at the different things. Remember, we need to be praying according to the Spirit. And the, the Spirit inspired Paul to write prayers and in those prayers that he prayed and he wrote for us, we see Spirit-inspired prayers that we can pray. So, ministers of the gospel need utterance. Okay, They need the words to say. So we, we need to pray for them, their inspiration, their study, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, pray for them for opportunities, like we said. Deliverance from evil, protection. We're going to look at that in a moment. We pray for diverse signs and wonders of uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can pray for their health in all that they do in the natural, boldness and utterance, an opportunity for them to make known the mystery of Christ. That's a good one. The mystery of Christ is the gospel. So the most important information on the earth today is the word of God. And this is what Satan is trying to stop, is the word of God. And because anyone, now any believer with the gospel is a minister. Any believer with the gospel, when they're preaching it or ministering it, is a preacher. So, when I say minister or when I say preacher, I'm not talking about someone like myself or Etienne who stands at the pulpit. We're included there. Okay? But we need to see that there's a lot of, um, especially for us who labor in the Word according to the Bible, we labor in the Word to teach you. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, I'm trying to think of the Word, attack that can come because the enemy is trying to stop the word and so you know we got to think about that and we can pray for ministers and for each other according to that luke chapter 8 verse 12 those by the wayside are they that hear then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved so why did satan come for the the word to steal the word the preacher, the minister, can be subject to a lot of attacks because they're human. So especially for your pastor, your shepherds, and those people, and then for the ministers that we're praying, if we're sending out a team to, like, Solari's Pass, or when we send mission teams to Zimbabwe, or when we send mission teams to Albania, or wherever, wherever we're sending out missions teams, these are some of the things we need to realize is that they're going to be vulnerable to persecution because that's the enemy's plan against them. And, and so we need to, because the, 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 the devil is wanting to stop the word of God from being preached, we need to pray for them to be strengthened, to, to withstand persecution. We can't pray persecution away. It's going to come. But we can pray for them to be strengthened. We can pray against distractions and all sorts of things. 1 Thessalonians 2.17 But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more abundantly to see your face with great desire. That's a cool statement to make, eh? 
<laughs> I endeavored more abundantly to see your face with great desire. <laughs> anyway, verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Can you see that? Satan hindered the man of God, Paul, the apostle. <laughs> That's quite something. How did he do that? Let's look at this. Romans chapter five, uh, 15, verse 22. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. Oh, there's a bit of hindrance there. Again, look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 7 to 9. For I will not uh, see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry uh, a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry, wait, at uh, Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. But there are many adversaries. Adversaries are opponents. Okay? Only at one instance is Satan mentioned in that verse. But there are many adversaries or opponents, hindrances to the gospel going out. One of them is just simply money. Hindrance, a lack of having the money and the resources to go. Sometimes it's a lack of people resources to go. Sometimes it's lack of, you know, um, COVID was a great hindrance to the gospel going out. And then the church had to get creative and we got creative, not just us, but worldwide in getting the gospel out. You know, see, the, the devil can't stop it. Because it doesn't matter what he does, we're more creative than him. Amen? Because we've got our Father's DNA and He's the Creator. Ephesians 2, 2. Where in time past He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of, this, of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So Satan works in unbelievers, the unsaved. And he works through them. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean they're our enemies and we pray against them. Well, how do we pray for the unbeliever? We, we pray for preachers to go to them. We, 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 we're praying that they would get saved, even though we're not praying for them to be saved. We're praying that they would have laborers, workers, ministers go to them so that they can receive the gospel. Okay? But we need to see that, that um, he can use unbelieving governments to stop us. Because a government can just say, no more gospel. That would be a bit of a hindrance, a little bit. <laughs> We'd find ways around it, but it would be a hindrance. You know, we can't just easily go to North Korea right now. South African passport, it makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> but it's not easy to go there with your Bible and now want to preach. See, so there's some hindrances when there's heathen government. <laughs> okay, that's how he, one of the ways in which he hinders uh, uh, ministers. So, yeah, there is some serious opposition that people face in different areas of ministry. And so if you look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, please. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. There's many opponents. We can pray, and God can show us what are the opponents, and we can pray. And, you know, sometimes you can deal with the opponent without praying. God can say, hey, the opponent here is a lack of finances. Please give. And then we give. Sometimes God would say the lack of, uh, uh, the, the opponent here is maybe just, they just need some refreshing. They're worn out. We had that, uh, 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 what was it, in our second year of Grace Life, or the first year of Grace Life. It was, it was a lot of 
effort in the beginning because it was just Marna and I and we had a great team but we were the only leaders really and in establishing and moving forward we were tired because we were doing Bible school at the same time and, and we were on the weekends then doing ministry and driving you know, three and a half hours to and from Bible college and all sorts of things and it was difficult days so we were tired and someone came to us in the church and they didn't come with this kind of language but someone visited they didn't come back after that but they came up after the service and they said um god's told me to to bless you guys with a holiday i was like praise god that's amazing thank you we'll take it <laughs> and so they paid for all expenses including petrol all expenses paid weekend in paternoster and we got the, the gift certificate and everything, and we said, thank you very much, and then we were able to go. And it was a blessing, because it refreshed us, and so any lack of refreshing was dealt with, so it helped the gospel keep going. I'm just advertising one of the ways in which, I'm just joking, I'm not sure, I don't do hint ministry, I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying, 2, 2 Timothy, chapter four eighteen, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. And will pre uh, preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what is every evil work? What is every evil work? They attack the preacher of the gospel physically. Not the devil. But they were motivated by Satan. And they attacked Paul. So here you can kind of see some of the things that you can pray into or support the minister. Let me look here, let me look here. So we're faced with many things that we can pray into for the, the, um, the believer, because there are, or for the minister, because there are wicked people out there who are trying to prevent the gospel and make ministry difficult. Okay? And our role is to pray. Look at um, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go... They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and sea and all that uh, in them is. Now, they heard about the opposition. And what did the church do? They lifted up their voice to God in unity, in one accord. So this is, in prayer meetings, the church needs to pray when it comes to opposition. Acts 12, 3. When he, and because he saw it, it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Yeah, Peter was arrested. The church prayed. That, that, that's what happened here. Peter was arrested and the church prayed. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 3, 2. And that they may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. <clears throat> For all men have not faith. If in case you didn't know. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So the reason we pray for ministers is the message. Okay? We pray that they would be delivered from unreasonable people. You know, at borders there are unreasonable people. We've experienced uh, places like that when we're about to go in for a mission trip or ministry trip or whatever. You know, so we need to, those are some of the things that we pray into. So we need to be praying for them, like it says there, or like we went into, we pray for their health, we pray for the delivery of the message, we pray for boldness and for utterance, and then there's a couple other ways in that we can pray. 
And this next one I'm going to say is, uh, share is talking about praying for meetings, praying for services, praying for conferences, whatever Christian meeting we have. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, please, Lucas. You know, because if you think about it, a service is a very important part of our life as, as Christians. Because if knowledge is one of the most important things for us, then the preaching of the word in a service or in a conference or in a meeting is vital. And so we need to be able to, to preach the word in, in things like this. So there's a couple of things that uh, we can look at. Now, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So, yes, throughout the book of Acts, we see a dedication. You can put up the verse uh, Acts 2.42 uh, and 46. We can see that they continued steadfastly in the teaching, the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship. They continued daily with one accord. They were continuously meeting together and receiving teaching. So praying for these gatherings and services and things like that is pretty good. It's a good thing to pray for. Okay? Often, we replace prayer with strategy. Often, we replace prayer with strategy. Do you know what I mean by that? We get planning and we think up, what's the best way to do this? How can we do that? And we get creative with planning a service, but we're not, or a meeting or a conference, and we're not getting uh, uh, to prayer as to, God, what's on your heart for today? God, we're praying for this conference that's coming up or whatever. We're praying for the people who are going to minister. We're praying for the logistics. We're praying for those that are helping to organize. We're praying for all of these different things. That there would be no hindrances. <clears throat> Those are some of the things that we need to, to pray into. So, you know, what we don't pray for in a Christian meeting is, God, please come. Because where two or more are gathered, Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered, he's there. And 1 Corinthians three sixteen. don't you know you're the temple? So God's here the moment you pitch up. We don't pray for God to move and touch people's hearts. We don't pray for God to heal the sick or save the lost because those are the things He's told us to do. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Preach the gospel so people can get saved. Okay? There's many things in there that we, 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 we need to uproot from our culture. But what do we pray for? Look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. It says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Edifying means building up, strengthening, making effective. But I like what it says there. Okay? It's saying, every one. Every one of you hath a... So it's talking about all of us participating. So we can pray for each other when it comes to praying for a meeting. Because we want everyone, not just to be sitting and receiving, but we want everyone to partake in sharing words with each other, in praying for each other, in, in, in interacting in a way which is going to bless each other and build up the church. Amen? Amen? Who does the edifying? You. Me. We all do. The unbeliever who comes, we're here to help them. But if we're believers, we're here to build up and encourage and strengthen each other. So... Building up our conclusion here. We pray for the minister. Okay, there's a slide on that. We pray for the minister for utterance and boldness. 
that their preaching would be in demonstration of spirit and in power. Okay, those are some of the things that we pray for the, the minister. Then we pray for those even handling the non-preaching assignments. I couldn't figure out how to turn that. The administrative tasks, the organizing. We ask for wisdom that they would do things decently and in order and things would be uh, 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 well organized. Okay? Wisdom was a primary requirement to be a deacon in the Bible. So we pray for them for wisdom because we want them to be wise in the way they organize. It's a great rhyme. Then we need to pray for the participants. Who's the participants? You. So you pray for each other. You pray for yourself. Pray the Pauline prayers. Pray for, uh, uh, um, what do you call them? The, 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 the knowledge. Pray that you grow in knowledge. Pray that you, 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 you grow in, in, in uh, revelation and in insight so that we'd all be edified. There's nothing worse than someone coming to encourage you prophetically when they have no knowledge. I'm being dead serious. Isn't it right? Like someone doesn't know the word at all and they come up with this beautiful thing on their heart that they feel and they, they just come to encourage you and then they just bring this word and you're like, thank you so much. Like, <laughs> you're very dear. I really appreciate your, your heart. Your, well done. That's lovely. And they walk away and you're like, that was terrible. Like, you just wanted to encourage them, but you know, now make them your prayer point. Pray for them to grow in knowledge so that when they minister to someone, it's going to be something according to the Word, not something according to something that fell off the wall or, or according to last night's dinner or something, because that's what some people do. They kind of watched a, a movie and now they're going to encourage you with the movie that they watched. You know, I just felt God encouraged me. I, I watched a movie last night. It was Spider-Man, whatever, and six. And I just remember this scene and I thought of you. And it's like you're sitting there going, what? <laughs> you could do that, I guess. But rather encourage people with the word. Build them up with the word. Okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> let's, uh, let's stand and we're going to finish off and we're going to pray and as we pray in the spirit we're not going to pray for all those things that we've just uh, prayed for uh, or just uh, spoken about um, but those last couple of slides where it gives you specifics I'll put them on the whatsapp group this week and uh, you can pray for them in the week uh, you can pray accordingly in the week but let's just spend some time praying as we close off and let's just give an opportunity for um, just the Spirit to, to move through us the way that He would want to. Father, we just, we just welcome Your ministry right now. We just welcome Your ministry right now, Jesus. You know every heart here. You know every situation. You know every uh, 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 person's desires. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.